In the Park Festival is back in Newcastle, and you could be there watching headliner Rag and Bone Man. We have two pairs of tickets to give away to see Rag and Bone Man on Sunday the 5th of May. He'll be joined by Newcastle-born singer-songwriter and brother to Sam, the hugely talented Liam Fender. To be in with a chance of winning two tickets, just answer the following question. What is the real first name of Rag and Bone Man? Is it Reginald, Rory or Colin? To enter, download the free Durham On Air app for your smartphone or tablet, click on Win, and you could be in Newcastle watching Rag and Bone Man on the 5th of May. Entries close at 11pm on May the 2nd. For full terms and conditions, visit durhamonair.com. In the Loop, a podcast from the heart of Durham. Hello and welcome to In the Loop, the Durham podcast. Here we are with episode 14 and we have, as we mentioned in our last episode, teamed up with Durham On Air and... For the first time in this podcast, we do have, indeed, a little bit that has been uh, prepared for us by Durham On Air, which is really good. It's the future. It's quite exciting. You'll hear a lot more, of course, from Durham On Air in the coming months. I'm your host, Emma Hignett. Thank you for joining me today. For this podcast, we're focusing a little bit on the Lunar New Year celebrations in Durham, amongst other things. Uh, We're talking events for Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year, whatever you want to call it, in the heart of Durham. We're talking shopping fish for Lunar New Year. Alice and me, I get to go along, Tess Bowbuns, um, which wasn't for Lunar New Year, but then could be, of course. Uh, And then we're also looking at how far Silver Street has come in the last 12 months. And, you, you know, you can't walk down there and fail to notice the changes. Uh, We're also finding fabulous footballers. A little bit of everything for everyone. Right, lots to fit in. So we'll kick off with Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year, being celebrated in Durham on Saturday the 21st of January. Feels quite early to me. I find it's normally February, isn't it? So anyway, I caught up with Brian Stoby. So for this podcast, uh, we're talking Chinese New Year. I'm talking to uh, Brian Stoby from Durham County Council, who I get the suspicion you've got fingers in pies and loads going on for Chinese New Year. Yeah, it's it's one of these things that gives schools an opportunity, particularly to be able to look at different parts of the world, to be able to look at different cultures, to be able to uh, think about not just other places, but how multi-dimensional our own community is and it's something that quite often some of our young people in schools don't recognize so here in in, especially in Durham City but across the county we've actually got quite a diverse population and what we're doing on Saturday the 21st is bringing many of those people together sometimes for the first time so we've got terrific support from the Durham Chinese School that's a, a school where young people of Chinese heritage meet once a week. Um, Most recently it's been done virtually, but very often in person to be able to bring them up to speed with Chinese language, but also to explore their own cultural heritage. So Durham Chinese School will be involved. The Chinese Scholars Schools, uh, Chinese Scholars Students Association from Durham University, um, which represents almost 3,000 
Chinese and Asian students at the university uh, will be coming along and will be showcasing some of their talents in music and dance. The event at the Town Hall, which runs from half past ten through till three o'clock in the afternoon, will be hosted by um, a student, postgraduate student at Durham University. Uh, and throughout the day, we're going to be able to see how both the student population and the school population from the county are interacting, are being able to present and demonstrate some of the the, the culture of um, East East Asia, because you know it's not just Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year celebrated in uh, different parts of, of Asia, predominantly China, uh, but it's a real opportunity to come and explore, and not just to be a spectator, but to have hands-on uh, experience as well. So this is, um, it's free to everyone, is that yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely free. I mean, we're really fortunate in the fact that all of these participants, both from the university and from the Chinese school, are given their, their time and their talents for free. So the county council is opening up the town hall for the day, using that as a focal point for much of the activities. Uh, some activities will also take part place across at Clayport Library. Yeah. Also, you know, council premises. And the idea is just really to get as many people in from the community in and to demonstrate just how multidimensional our, our community is. So we've got um, students from New College, Durham, who have been researching uh, Asian cuisine and are going to be providing lots of really nice, tasty bits for us to try uh, at lunchtime in the town hall. We have staff from Clayport Library who will be doing some craft activities with young people. Uh, Durham University students who are learning uh, Chinese, learning Mandarin, will be running drop-in classes in uh, Mandarin at Clayport Library. And wow. We have some um, young people from the Durham Youth Council uh, helping all of the citizens of the county to understand what 2023 brings for them in the year of the rabbit by running our uh, big horoscope uh, section. We'll also have practical activities for young people to come do some wood um, block printing. Wow. And to try some paper folding and origami. So there's, there's, there's lots of things to do, lots of things to see, lots of things to take part in. And, and there's musical and dance performances as well in the town hall. Yeah, that we, we've structured a performance programme. So there'll be something on the stage in the town hall every 15 minutes. And it ranges from Tai Chi uh, to classical Chinese uh, song and and music. We have dance. And we also have a fantastic, best way to describe it, I suppose, is like a huge fashion parade, which wow. will bring conclude the, the, the whole performance um, with a with young people wearing traditional uh, Chinese costume from across the ages. It's, I mean, last year, I was completely blown away when you see just how delicate some of the the costumes are, how graceful the movements are, uh, as there's, you know, almost, it's like a snapshot of Chinese costume across history being paraded 
in front of her own very eyes in, in the middle of Durham City. So it's an incredible spectacle. And I know it's one of the things that, um, you know, everybody was out with their mobile phone trying to capture as many images of this as possible because it, it really was a wonderful way to bring the, the day to an end. Yeah. We have some young people as well from the um, Tea Ceremony Society at the university coming uh, I love along. that the un university has such a wide range of societies. I hadn't come across that one as yet, but what yeah. a great name. What a it's, great it's society. You'd you think that you'd, you know, a tea, uh, a tea ceremony society, but they, they come along with all their cups and they're going to be running a special session in the afternoon uh, for people to uh, see how tea is uh, prepared and served and for members of the public to taste uh, traditional Chinese tea. So it is. It's 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 a sort of a, a, a sort of like an ex, a chance to discover, explore, learn, appreciate, even just admire another culture, but right in the heart of Durham. Yeah, absolutely, and it's the sort of thing that you know. As I say, we're very keen to to, to offer something which is twofold. One, which is about yeah, this is a an experience. This is something to come along and. Um, look at and to admire but we want it really to be something which also creates a bridge between different communities that don't perhaps naturally collide within our county you know we have uh, a large international community within the university which is not necessarily represented across the whole of the county in its demog uh, demographics but you know, and because you know the university population has its own um, routines and things which don't necessarily always marry with the way in which people who live and work in the county sort of like go about their daily lives. So today, on this, this Saturday, it's a chance for the two communities really to come together and to celebrate something which is joyful and something which looks forward to the year ahead. And that's all happening in the centre of Dome. You mentioned Clayport Library um, and the Town Hall. I think there's a little bit in the marketplace as well, isn't there? Yeah, we're hoping, it's all weather dependent, but we're hoping that um, outside the, the Town Hall, we'll be able to do some uh, some calligraphy mm -hmm. uh, in one of the market stalls and also um, weather dependent on having some Tai Chi performance. So people can just take a moment and then uh, follow the very graceful movements uh, and take a, you know, take a chance to come away from the busy, hectic life of shopping and moving around and just relax and do some nice, graceful movements. Will you be doing the Tai Chi? Of course. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Fabulous. It's all on Saturday the 21st in the heart of Durham. Yep. Absolutely. Kicking off at half past ten in the morning. Thank you. Huge thank you to Brian. Uh, since he and I spoke, we've been able to confirm uh, that there will be the traditional lion dance being performed by Oceans Apart Kung Fu Club in the heart of Durham on Saturday the 21st as well. They will be performing first in Millennium Place uh, at 12.30pm, followed by a performance we believe at about 
in the marketplace. Those timings might change slightly. Um, We have the colour, we have the noise, the traditional celebration of Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year coming to Durham again this year. Uh, 21st of January is the date. I tell you what, I'm going to say head to durhammarkets.co.uk forward slash events because if there are any changes in timings and whatever, they will put them on the events page there on their website. And that actually is linked in the show notes. Uh, as are all the other relevant links, of course. Now, in talking about the Lunar New Year, I was tipped off to talk to the staff at Hodgson Fish, uh, the independent fishmongers in Durham Market Hall. I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about what they can do, what they do supply for Chinese New Year. I didn't. I just didn't put the two together and think, ah, oh, I bet they get busy at this time of the year. Well, they do. Here's Lara. We're hiding behind the fridge, hence the funny noise. <laughs> Look, we're, we're, you know, we're at the, where, where the action is. I'm talking to Lara from Hodgson Fish in the Market Hall. Um, and I didn't realise, but you do sort of stock up and get things in specially for Chinese New yes, Year. Yes, So tell me about the kind of thing that you get in for Chinese New Year. Well, obviously we have fresh fish daily, every day anyway. Um, obviously, um, Chinese students a lot come down we tend to have um like whole sea bass sea brain um, we have the sushi grade tuna salmon in um on a regular basis anyway but especially for chinese new year for um in regards to ordering stuff in we can get live crabs live lobsters um live oysters um that's the sort of stuff that we would say is more specialized for chinese new year so if anybody's interested in anything like that the best thing to do is order um, and we can get them in the next day for you Fantastic. It's that quick, the turnaround. Yeah, it's like yeah, pop definitely. in any day next week. You're open Monday to Saturday. Yeah. Um, and as long as we've got like 24 hours notice for the live lobsters and crabs and stuff. And oysters we have in pretty much all the time. So, yeah. Wow. I, I, it's, it's, I feel like Chinese New Year, sort of the fish element of it is something I'm kind of like, oh, I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah. We, we absolutely sell, we have loads, especially Chinese students comes in um, on a daily basis. We sell loads of, they love crevettes. We have them in every day, but the, especially the the sushi grade tuna and uh, the salmon. Um, it's it's a daily thing. Wow! Oh, yeah, love it. Fantastic, and it is of course the only fishmonger in. Yes, Durham. it is, and it's fresh every day. Brilliant. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Now, in that recording, I say order next week. Obviously, order this week but order any time um this week is the run-up to uh chinese new year lunar new year but order any time obviously links as always in the show notes i mentioned in my intro that we're talking or actually tasting bao buns um we'll do that later and to be honest it is pure coincidence that alice and i both decided to have the bao buns in the week before lunar new year It was just that, you know, we looked at the menu and went, ooh, that sounds nice. Uh, That's coming up later on. To get to the bow buns in Durham, we took a trip down Silver Street, the subject of much talk during the last year. Um, Have you been down there recently? Certainly is a different vibe from 12 months ago, for want of a word. Um, I wanted to talk, I've talked to Graham Salt about this before. I wanted to talk to him again um, after there was an article by him in the Northern Echo over the Christmas period. Now, I thought that Cathedral, a particular favourite of mine, would be quite a calm place to catch up with Graham and do a little interview for the podcast. It was buzzing. 
It was utterly and completely buzzing. So what I did, so that you could hear Graham, is that I kind of turned it off so you can't hear me. So you're not going to worry about that. You can't hear me very well, but you can hear Graham. Okay, apologies for that, but here goes. It's like a tea ceremony. Well, it, it, um, it helps to have tea, and when you're in a lovely kind of coffee shop in Durham. So. We're in Cafe Dral, and I picked Cafe Dral because Cafe Dral normally is really quiet and calm, and it's Friday afternoon, and it is positively buzzing. Yeah, I've only ever seen it like this, to be fair. So, yeah. This is my go-to kind of hide in a corner and find somewhere quiet just oh. to chill out. But today it is absolutely buzzing. And the reason I picked up and, and chased Graham up for a second appointment on the podcast is because I read your article in the Northern Echo over Christmas New Year. Yes, that's right. Silver Street. Yes. Um, and the last time we talked, we talked about Silver Street um, because there was a lot of, shall we say, banter online about how awful it looked as we came out of lockdowns and things like that. Yeah. And so the background for that obviously was that a year ago or so the Northern Echo had contacted you from Silver Street looks dreadful. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think someone who writes about Durham on uh, on Twitter had had shared a montage of images of all the vacant units and it and it prompted the Northern Echo to run a piece about the state of Silver Street. But to but to be fair to them, they also invited me, as someone who does work in Durham, to write a, a piece reflecting on the situation and explaining what was happening behind the scenes. Because often when you see empty shops, it doesn't mean that they're empty and just sat there doing nothing. Sometimes there are things happening uh, in terms of leases being agreed and, and units being worked on. So I did that a year ago. And then a year later, they, they asked if I would do a follow-up piece along with all the others who contributed a year ago as well, to reflect on, on the changes. And, and in short, um, um, and happily, you know, it's a much more positive picture. So whereas at the end of 2021, there were 11 vacant units in Silver Street, um, now it's much improved because we've seen six new ones appear. There's at least uh, three more on the way the, uh, under offer. And so that means that actually there's, there's only, I think... Uh, three units left that are kind of vacant and not already taken. So uh, it's a it's a much more positive picture than it was a year before. So, so what pulled the strings? What made that happen? Who made it happen? Is it a combination of things? Yeah, it, it's a combination of things. And I've, um, uh, if you go on my LinkedIn, actually, I've written an article that explains all the background to it. But I think I think. Um, and one of the important things is collaboration. So it's, it sounds really obvious, but in Durham, I think over the last uh, two or three years, we've got really good at working together. So at the Durham Markets, the BID, uh, uh, me, the Parish Council, the County Council, you know, all these key place leaders, as we call them in the jargon, you know, all the people who have a, who have a stake in the, uh, in the place, really, working together, supporting each other, you know, amplifying each other's messages. That is really important. Uh, but also, um, I think having kind of uh, agents and landlords who are on board, because sometimes, I think I've spoken before about the challenge of when you have landlords who are based God knows where, you know, who don't know the place where they own property. Um, and what's been quite good in Durham is that, is that most of the properties, uh, even if they've been owned by someone who's based elsewhere, they've been marketed by agents who are based in the region. 
And so the agents have that local knowledge and can and can uh, use their network to think, ah, so-and-so would be a really good fit for that unit there. But that's one thing. And then another thing, um, obviously as part of the Indie Dome City project, um, uh, there is free marketing and mentoring support available from uh, from me for any Durham Independent. And so it's, uh, it has played a part sometimes in, in supporting those traders that have wanted to open in Silver Street, you know, and, and just being there as a sort of encouragement and support because being an independent business is, is really hard work. And sometimes, you know, it's having a half an hour or a quarter of an hour of, uh, of, of chat and a coffee with someone can really kind of get you through a rough patch. So I think the combination of all those things is, uh, is really important. There's one independent on Silver Street that has, I don't know, you, you'd have to sort of, it's a bit of a beacon of hope and light and, and success and, and that is Moon, which yeah. tiny little one. Bigger, bigger, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Moon Jewelry is a is a fantastic locally owned uh, independent jeweler and gift shop. Uh, it um, it used to have a very small shop on Silver Street. I think uh, I think years ago it used to be accessorised maybe on the on the corner, um, and um, and then just last year in April they moved into the former EE. And, and the EE shop, to be fair to them, didn't really have a very exciting frontage even when it was open because phone shops don't. It's usually kind of posters and things. Uh, and then it was boarded up and looked horrible. And then Moon moved in and, and just the transformation of opening up those windows, getting rid of the vinyls, filling the windows with beautiful objects. You know, that was a really important step in, in showing that Silver Street was on the way back because you know, as you come over... At the Framwellgate Bridge, and you turn the corner, Moon is the first thing you see, and so symbolically, having those, you know, three frontages really, three bays, full of light and activity, has, you know, that that made a really big difference, and uh, and and Moon is one of the retailers I've been. Uh, pleased to work with and support over the last two or three years as, as Joe the owner is lovely to work with really passionate about, about Durham and, and you know, those are the kind of, of shops you want in Durham because it's, it's distinctive it's local, you spend the money there it goes back into the local economy so it's, it's, um, it's a fantastic business that does well from locals and tourists The other thing I think you know, the feeling I get from Silver Street is there's more of a yeah, yeah. elongated day economy into mm. the evening, yes. into the night. So it's not going to close down at four thirty. Absolutely, I think um, uh, it, it can be a hard sell at times because people kind of see kind of shops going, and then they see kind of eateries and bars and things coming in, and, and people go, "Oh, we don't need more places to eat. We need more shops." And I. And I, I do get that, but, but it's, it's partly the consequence of us shopping in other ways. Um, if, you, if you shop at Amazon, if you shop at the Arneson Centre, the impact of that is that you need fewer shops in Durham. Um, but I think, you know, actually, having a bit of a blend of uses is, is really good. And so if you walk down Silver Street now uh, on an evening... It does have the odd restaurants and things, which is really good. And you know, and also um, uh, all that student housing that's been slotted in above the shops as well is good because it means that you've got lights on over the shops and, and people looking out, and the and the street feels uh, more surveyed and safer. 
so it's really good having people living in the city because because you don't get that kind of uh, deathly feel that you get in some places when all the retail closes down and there's literally nothing else going on. It's a very good point actually, yeah. I mean, you know, there is in Durham a lot of criticism about the amount of the city that's given over to students and student accommodation, but when you say it like that, then actually people living in the city centre is great for the corner shop and it's great for the cafes and it's great that they can walk out and, you know, nip into the market to buy their vegetables or Absolutely, I think um, uh, it makes sense because students often don't require a car, so it so it makes sense to have them living in a place that you can't get to by car anyway. Um, uh, you know, and also I think um, uh, it's it's better for the wider city probably if you have students living in the centre of of Durham in purpose built accommodation rather than having houses carved up. Uh, on housing estates and uh, and traditional streets all over the city, I think it's uh, it's it, it, it's much better having that kind of. Uh, it creates a better balance, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, better balance rather than all the kind of HMOs that everyone often complains about. Yeah. And so the future, obviously. Well, let's talk quickly about Stack. Yes. So what is currently Yorkshire Trading? Yes. Who we don't want to see go, but they weren't even saying this one originally. That's right. Um, I'm, I keep I keep making the point that Yorkshire Trading originally signed up for a three month short term lease. It's hard to think that anybody signed up for three months, but. Well, yeah, and it's it's logical, really, when you think about it, because if you go inside, it's a bit rudimentary. Um, the signage is is quite basic, but you know, it's clearly done well, which is fantastic, because it's it's been there for over two years now, and and we would love Yorkshire Trading to stay, um, and we're and we're very keen to talk to them and um, and put forward some some ideas of where they might move to in the city. Uh, but Stack is coming into that spot. All being well, um, it's got to go through all the planning process, and I know that it's it's not. Um, as straightforward as it might be, um, because as rightly people do have some concerns sometimes about about turning a big building like that from retail uh, into a, uh, uh, into bars and and venue kind of and, yeah, yeah venue and things. But but I think you know um, you have to understand that, that the need for big retail spaces like that has more or less gone. No retailer is going to occupy the whole building anymore. So the best you would get really is is the building being carved up with student housing above and then ground floor retail. And I think uh, if it's like lots of Marks and Spencer stores, it it's probably riddled with asbestos and things anyway. So it would it would need dismantling more or less to put uh, all the insides back again. Um, but I think it's it's really good that Stack wants to use the whole of the of the building. And, and I think um, you know, it's important to differentiate between different types of, of, um, of venue too. Um, I, I wouldn't be in favour of the kind of you know, pile it high, sell it cheap kind of bars in Durham because we don't want to encourage that kind of, of, um, of culture. But I think a quality venue is, is to be welcomed. And, um, and so, uh, speaking personally, you know, I hope... Uh, uh, I hope Stack is, uh, is approved and, uh, and becomes a success. Thank you to Graham. Um, I've linked to the Indie Durham City 
Facebook page, etc., etc., in the show notes. Before we carry on, we always would love to know what you think about what we're doing and what you think we should be talking about. You can email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk to get in touch. Please help us spread the word about In The Loop, the Durham podcast. Uh, Tell your friends to listen in. Uh, Please give give us a like. You can subscribe wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Wherever you found the link for this podcast, then please share it. Thank you in advance. We'll no doubt be announcing a new contact email in the coming weeks uh, as the podcast grows and develops with our good friends at Durham On Air. As I mentioned in the last podcast, we're joining forces with Durham On Air to make this, the Durham podcast, more frequent, more exciting, give it a wider geography uh, and make it reach more people. So that's all coming up in the next few weeks and we hope you'll come on that journey with us. But to kick that off, here we have Matthew Donaghy of Durham On Air. He caught up with Paul Smith, who is the club chairman of Bolden Football Club. Bolden Girls Football were featured recently in a BBC One programme, We Are England, in an episode called England's Next Lionesses. Here's Matthew. So it's no mystery that the last few years has seen a greater interest in women's football, record attendances to women's games, and of course, the success of the Lionesses winning the Women's Euros in 2022. And two of the players in that winning squad, Jill Scott and Demi Stokes, as well as former Lionesses captain Steph Houghton, have all been players that have benefited from the work of Bolden CA Girls FC. And now the club is set to be featured as part of programmes on BBC One this evening. It's called England's Next Lionesses. And joining me to talk all about it is Bolden CA Girls chairman, Paul Smith, uh, the founder of the club, and he's even still involved with the coaching too. So a busy man, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here on Durham on Air. Oh, thank you. So I think firstly, Paul, uh, whilst we're still in the early parts of 2023 and kind of reminiscing about the year that was 2022, uh, it must have been fantastic seeing the success of the Lionesses team bringing home that trophy for England. Oh, I thought it was tremendous. I mean, for for quite a few years now, we've seen big improvements in the, in the you know the female side of the football, and um, it was quite amazing, you know, what they've done in the summer there. Really, really good. And we've mentioned Jill Scott, Demi Stokes, Steph Houghton. They're all players that were essentially produced by Bold and CA girls. They've donned that blue, white and red kit at some point. Uh, that must be pretty inspirational for anyone looking to take part in the sport. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, the girls in the club are all familiar with those girls. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've seen them, they've, they've gone down to watch games. And like I said, some of them live local or have lived local. And um, the girls certainly look up to them. And just kind of touching upon uh, the club in particular, of course, Bolden CA Girls FC was founded back in 1992. You're well aware of that being the founder of the club. And it's one of the oldest girls clubs in the Northeast. And uh, what is the ultimate aim for the club, Paul? Why is it so important for it to continue being a permanent fixture in our region? I just think we're um, quite experienced in girls football. And like I said, we've, we've got a, quite a good reputation and um, you know, got some good coaching staff and we've attracted, it's very hard to attract coaches, but I think because of the setup we've got, um, you know, we've, we've survived those years and um, with more girls coming in, we'll get more interest. 
Absolutely. And and after the success of the Lionesses in recent years, nobody can be mistaken by the fact that it's clearly played a part in upping the interest of women's football. Since uh, October 2021, there's been a 17% increase in female affiliated players across all levels of the game, uh, a 30% increase in female registered football clubs and a 15% increase in female youth teams uh, have you seen similar in terms of attendance and involvement at Bolden uh, at, at Bolden oh yes it's def- the numbers have definitely increased but I think I think some of that's gone down you know the fact that the FA have recognised that um, you know girl, girls football is still growing I think the schools have um, appreciated what's been seen on TV and I, I think there's more involvement with schools with girls football and I think on the whole um, you're seeing more girls kicking the, kicking the ball around the streets and stuff and something that I kind of wasn't aware of until until recently, Paul, and I have to be honest and say it is to do with the fact that the Lionesses have been having that success and we've been seeing more of women's football on TV and we've been getting a bit more educated about kind of the history of the game as well. Uh, I was very surprised to hear that essentially it was banned to, to play uh, football as a woman uh, way back when. Uh, it must be crazy to just think of how much the game has gone on and changed as of recently. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't know why the FA did ban it. To be honest, I mean, they were playing football and they were trapping crowds, and then all of a sudden it was it was banned. But um, I think you know the last certainly the last ten years when I've been involved, you know, just lo- locally or you know adult teams um, increasing, academies coming through, um, some of these big boys clubs have um, you know started girls sections. And like I said, the schools is more involved. So I think all around it's um, you know. As, as you say, it's it's on TV all the time now, so we're, we're slowly getting there. And of course, we're we're seeing uh, that popularity grow on a national level, uh, but clearly also on a, a local level as well. We're looking at the program uh, that the club's going to be featured as part of. It's the We Are England series, and tonight's episode, England's Next Lionesses, will be aired this evening at 8 o'clock on BBC One. It's always nice to see our region on the telly, Paul. What can we expect to see from Bolden? Well, you certainly see a lot of enthusiasm on you know tonight in, on the documentary and I mean Jill did come through and see the girls and like I said they all look up to her and the, you know that the, we've got some really good players and, and they're thriving on the football at the moment and you've mentioned of course uh, Jill Scott coming along as well uh, it's very much a case of this programme looking at how these young players can follow in the steps of our great women players uh, and tell us about what that journey looks like Paul some girls might be kind of watching Chloe Kelly score the goal to win England, the Women's Euros trophy, and they might just dream about being that person in the future. It doesn't just have to be a dream, though, does it? No, no. I think I think there's lots lots of opportunities out there now. I, I, the thing is with with football, it's like you know, even even with the boys' side of things, you know, it's it's how enthusiastic you you want, you know, how how keen are you, and um, you know, it's your commitment, and it's listening to the right people, um, you know. It, it, players develop in different stages. Um, I just think with the women now, um, you know, the coaching is getting better. So there's no reason why some of these girls can't have ambitions. And there must be a, a, an element of, of personal pride as well, Paul, that obviously uh, all of the, the girls that are coming through the system now and, and being a part of the club, but also looking at the success of the likes of Jill Scott, Demi Stokes, Steph Horton, it, it must be a bit of a proud moment to know that, that, that 
they've all come through the the Bolden ranks. Oh, it's been it is it's it's. I mean, I'm very proud that they've come through the club, and I think you know in general. I mean, there's been quite quite a few um, players from the northeast, not 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 just from the Bolden area, but you know, you know there is other. I mean, look look like Sir Beth Mead just from down the road, so. We have been a bit of a hotbed over the years, and um, I think these girls obviously look up to the to the big players. And the good thing as well, you know, the likes of Jill Scott, they've, they've never forgot the grassroots, you know, and they still come back and they still sort of, you know, try and encourage the girls to partake. Absolutely, and and mentioning Jill Scott, uh, just a quick question, Paul: Did you ever see her going uh, from Bolden Sea girls to playing in the England national team uh, to being in the jungle taking part in Bush Tucker trials? I didn't expect her to be in the jungle, to be honest. But I think you know, once 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 you once you left Sunderland, I mean, she, she, she left us and went to Sunderland. But once you got on that route, you know, in, into the um, you know the other teams that you played for. Um, you know, and again, once you go in the England setup, I just knew, you know, she's she's a big um, team player. Um, so just, you know, she's a lovely person, and I, I think, um, you know, players around her probably thrived um, f- f- from the way she is. You know, absolutely, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that you were voting to keep her in the jungle and and help her get uh, to the to the end as well, Paul. Maybe a few cheeky votes for to do a trial or two as well. Um, just uh, looking at the club, Paul, uh, we're, we're hopefully a bit further into the season this year. How are things uh, going for Bolden? The teams are doing very well. Um, you know, we've, we've got 14 girls teams. I mean, we're catering for over 200 girls. Um, it's it's massive. And, you know, the standard's very, very good. You know, there's always, you know, like, like I say, if anybody's wanting to, you know, start up playing and um, or they want any information regarding girls football, all they've got to do is just, you know, Google our club and we'll, we'll be glad to help and give information. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're volunteers and, you know, we try our best and I think, um, you know, we've, we've, we've built a nice family club and I think the girls thrive on, um, you know, the fact that they're not just an individual team, they're part of a, of a bigger picture, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sometimes have the older ones you know, coaching the younger ones and we've got older girls who are refereeing the younger ones, you know, so everything's, you know, just rolling along nicely. Absolutely. And and another way of, of being able to really showcase what uh, Bolden CA Girls FC is all about is by watching that fantastic uh, documentary that's going to be on BBC One at 8 o'clock this evening. It's the next episode of the series We Are England. It's titled England's Next Lionesses. And of course, you'll be seeing Bolden CA girls fc as part of that as well very much looking forward to finding out more about the amazing work being done behind the scenes paul and thank you very much for speaking to us here on durham on air and all the best to the teams and your players as well thank you very much matthew Thank you to Matthew. Uh, all appropriate links, as always, in the show notes. And also a link to Durham on Air. Of course. OK, we are nearly at the end. It's time to catch up with Alice and uh, find out more about those mentioned many a time, Bowbuns. I feel like we have to whisper again. Yes, I think we do. It's one of those where we're secretly recording. Secret recording, secret podcast. In the corner of a restaurant. (laughs) Which, 
I've known about this place for years. I've never been here. And I only and, found it by accident. But how busy is it? It's absolutely heaving. It's, it's so nice to see. I'm going to move we, this slightly nearer to you. No, it's it's so nice to see. I mean, it is. It's absolutely packed because we, we thought we were going to have to wait wait outside, wait outside. But thankfully, we got straight in. But I mean, it is. There's not a there's not an empty space. I don't think in here. No, it's brilliant. So tell everyone where we are for lunch today. We are in the Riverview Kitchen, which is just by oh, just down Silver Street, and it's down one of the little it's down one of the little side streets at the bottom. And the door very helpfully has directions on how you go down because we couldn't find it initially. But you go down a set of stairs and then you turn and then you turn right by the river and there it is. And it's just it's it's absolutely be- it's beautiful. So it's sort of un- not quite under Framel Gate Bridge. No, it's kind of it's it's to the side. It's, it's, it's hidden away. So. We've popped in for a quick lunch. We're we going to have. have to run, which so quick recording <laughs> on the end of our quick lunch. But we both picked the same item because we both saw the same item on the menu and went, oh, I'm having that. Which was? Which was the sticky bao buns, which were absolutely... Sticky, uh, what, panko, sticky panko chicken bao buns, which were absolutely divine. I have to say, I'm definitely having them. A- they were divine, I'll be honest with you. But at the same time... The two uh, university rugby players across from us had the most beautiful, stunning stack of pancakes. <laughs> Cut one of them coated in chocolate. I, I think if we'd had a longer lunch, that we might have seriously scrutinised the pancakes or the cake list because the cake list also looks very good. There were substantial amount of tray bakes there. Yeah, and I've, you know I've seen reviews for this place, and I've seen people say it's fantastic. I just can't believe I've never been here before. I know I've never I never knew about it when I, and I was looking for a place that we could go, and then it cropped up, and it was I have to admit I thought it was completely the other end of, of town, but I thought oh it's on the river. This sounds really good. Sounds really interesting. I looked at the pictures and all of the reviews, and thought oh let's give this place a try. And I have to admit I'm very impressed. So thumbs up for massive thumbs up Riverview. Yes. Which has a river view. It does, which is even nice. I was going to say it. I mean, the river is looking a little bit full after the weather we've had, but no, very nice scenic, scenic view of Durham. An unexpected little gem. An unexpected gem, which is always good. It's always nice when you find places like this, I think. Thank you to Alice. Relevant links are in the show notes, uh, but I will be taking my family there. I think next time we're kind of going, we're in Durham and we're thinking, where can we go and get something to eat? We were, we were really impressed. It was buzzing. It was full. Uh, but we, we had a lovely meal. Anyway, thank you today to all my contributors, to Matthew Donaghy of Durham On Air and to Paul Smith from Bolden Football Club, to Graham Salt, to Brian Stoby, to Lara from Hodgson Fish and to Alice. I hope I've remembered all the links you could possibly need in the show notes. You can always tell me if not. Uh, please spread the word, of course, like and subscribe to our podcast. And if you have any ideas about what we could cover in the coming weeks and months, then get in touch. You can email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk. As I mentioned before, big changes, big developments afoot over the coming weeks and months for this podcast. So make sure you're signed up to keep listening uh, and come with us. 
Find out more, join in with us in the coming weeks and months. This is the Durham Podcast with me, Emma Hignett, for now, but I'll have more people working with me in the future, bigger and better for 2023. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. You're locked in a strange room. Time is against you. You need to get out, and there's only one way to do it. Have you got what it takes to discover the clues, solve the puzzles, and escape before the clock runs out? Then step into Escape Rooms Durham and see if you can unravel the mystery of Mr. Borrowdale's study or steal the formula in the lab heist. Escape Rooms Durham is the perfect challenge for families, friends, colleagues and birthdays. Find out more at escapedurham.co.uk Then come and escape from Escape Rooms Durham on Sadler Street in Durham City Centre.